Welcome to After Hours, a full After Hours. John Ruane and I were just sitting here talking about our days, uh, his old newspaper days. I still happen to work for a newspaper. John, when did we first meet? It must have been about 1983 you did that series, oh, wasn't it? Wasn't it Frightening. Yeah, yeah, had to be, had yeah. to be, had to be, had to be. You were working in the sports, sports section, department. yeah. What were you doing there? Back then, I started out as an administrative uh, editorial assistant, and uh, that's when I met you, but then I ended up getting a chance to cover the sports media and write the sports people page and write feature stories and things like that back then. One of the things that is always, I always liked you, always, and one of the things that that, uh, that struck me about you and still strikes me about you is your your urge to create uh you know you could have stayed in i don't know if you could stay in newspapers as long as i did but you could have stayed in there for a while but you you did not no you you had a an urge to do other kinds of creative things oh absolutely and you know the thing making the transition into uh theater and acting all that i I never saw that coming right yeah i mean i ended up writing a story on uh, megan fay at second city and i told her how i used to write satire for the college newspaper and does second city ever take scripts and she said no but you should join the workshops now i didn't even know what a workshop was back then and i did it and where'd you grow up let's go back to where you grew uh, up southwest side st bede's uh, 84th and costner yeah that area over there Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot of folks out that way, and uh, you know, you couldn't have grown up with the ambition to be a newspaper reporter, did no, you? No, my, my ambition was to be a professional uh, uh, hockey player, or baseball player. <laughs> so I play I like played, every kid. I played hockey and baseball in college, and uh, when our goalie, who got signed by the Blackhawks, invited me out to Fort Wayne to watch him, there was twelve fights in that game, and my wife, then girlfriend, was with me, and I said, I- "I'm not doing this." <laughs> so then I went after baseball, and I just didn't throw hard enough. I did well in college, but I only threw eighty-five miles an hour, and Back then it was ninety. It's not like ninety five now yeah, or ninety eight. Right, right, right. So, but then once so, I mean, once I was done with that, it was about becoming a sports writer. That was the other idea at that wow. point. Wow. What so, what got you out of the newspaper business? Well, there was a lot of things when you and I were there. I mean, you got out after Murdoch probably bought it, or yeah, at that point, yeah. yeah. I left when Murdoch. So bought it. yeah, there was a great exodus. <laughs> yes, there was. But yes, um, so was. we went through three. <clears throat> three changes of ownership and everything it was crazy oh it was crazy it was back chaotic. then and you know i i just my wife and i wanted to have a family we wanted to have a more normal life at that point so literally i got an offer from uh, edelman back then and i took it and um you know it changed my life for edelman, sure edelman uh, then run by dan edelman who founded uh, you know one of the great public relations firms in the history of this town his kids later ran it but dan was really something right and he was and and in working in PR, which is a nice, steady kind of job, and it keeps you sort of in the media, then you start taking these classes at Second City, and you got distracted. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's I, again, I never saw that coming, right? Yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah. but it, it really went to what I do. I write. I have, I'm a creative writer, so I ended up writing what four different shows, and uh, the first one stunk, as you pointed out. As I did, <laughs> I the, did point it out. <laughs> but the next I, three were, were much better, so. I wrote a piece about you in 1991. Uh, <laughs> he wrote, and I wrote, the first time I realized that John Rain was anything but a newspaper colleague was when he called me and said he was in an improvisational comedy group, and that group show was better than, quote, better than anything they could put on the stage no, that's in not Second right. City. I never said that. Well, I, just made, I, used, to, I used to make up stuff. Uh, that pronouncement proved to be a little more than youthful boasts. The show called Aardvarks After Dark, oh. and I wrote this, was yep. one of the worst yep. improvisational comedy shows we've ever seen. And that's true. 
Uh, we told this to Ruane and recommended he find a less precarious hobby. But you stuck with it, I did. and you got good. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. By the time I wrote this story, uh, I had seen a couple more shows, and they were good. Do you well, remember Artvarks After Dark? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was... <laughs> You know, we were young and we were trying, and we were we didn't really we really couldn't see ourselves at that point. But after that show, and and you're talking to me about that, I ended up we ended up going getting John Machowski, a great director. Sure, sure. He turned us around. He turned us into a real group at that point, and then we started doing really good work. And then by the time I got the comedy on Rye, which you came out to at the Roxy, that was Evan Gore that did that with us, and you know it was all good. So, you had ambitions to do what at that time? What What were your ambitions for well, your comedy? You were married by then. Yes. Yeah, we are married, and uh, by geez, we already had uh, Megan when when I was doing those shows, and then we had Sean in nineteen ninety when I wrote the uh, the rock musical uh, Southbound at, and at the theater building. And you were, and Edelman was supportive of you in this stuff, was he not? Um, well, did, I don't know if Dan Edelman knew my my boss Ed Manetta was was supportive of me back then. Um, no, no question about it. But um, you know, it was it was it wasn't easy to try to work a full time job and oh, do all of that. But and be a dad and be a dad and a husband, yeah, yeah. and a coach. Yeah. I coached fifty two teams over seventeen years, eight hundred fifty kids. What, hockey or baseball? Uh, no hockey. Got out of hockey altogether. Baseball, basketball, fast pitch softball. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was good. You're tireless. <laughs> You're tireless. <laughs> you wrote many of these comedy shows or collaborated. I well, with no, them. I wrote the I wrote the last one, Comedy on Rye, and then the uh, two before that was a collaboration. Um, probably about half of it was written by me, but uh, yeah, I did a good deal of writing. Mark Chosky was one of the writers, and uh, uh, I think Bruce Donnelly did some of it too. So yeah. All right, we've taken John Ruane uh, into his comedy writing uh, period of his life, and when we come back after. A couple minute break. Uh, we will then talk to him about the rest of his creative career. <laughs> he said to me, "I mean, you you said to me in this 1991 piece, and it, it's really stuck with me." Uh, you said, "quote It's really about how tough it is to be a creative person in this society." Uh, it's and, and the show. It's absolutely autobiographical. I've been struggling to balance the creative and professional careers for ten years. Right. That was ten years then, yep. and you're still doing it. Yep. We will continue on with John Ruane after a couple minutes. Welcome back. I have uh, taken John Ruane into his comedy career. He's still working in PR, but he's balancing that with uh, improvisational comedic productions. Is that is that a good way to? Put I'd it? say so. Yeah. Yeah. What, what? And you were working a lot of sports clients when you were with Edelman, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, we had the Chicago Marathon. Oh wow! Back then, it's a big Did that account. Five years. Um, Inside Sports Magazine, I was running those swimsuit issue models. Well, from, yeah, and that was, how'd your that, wife feel about well, that? Well, you know, I got to tell you, when you do that, you realize that's the worst job in the world for anybody is what those women do because um, it's so cutthroat. Yeah, I'll And bet. they starve themselves to death. Yeah, I'll you know, bet. It's I'll just, bet. it's incredible. So, And then I, you, you kept having kids. You eventually have four kids. Four all kids. Of whom, all of whom are adults now and, yep. do, and doing well. Yeah. Yep. You eventually did. You eventually get out of PR, John. Take me down that. Path. No, no. Once, once I got, I was at Edelman, and then I left Edelman. Uh, once we found out about we we're going to have the twins, I ended up joining up, John. So okay. we moved to Kalamazoo. We're there for three years. When the new CEO said we're going to New Jersey, and I said I'm not going to New Jersey, <laughs> so I, I jumped ship and took my family down to Atlanta, which was a lot more to that than I'm talking about. But um, and 
because our, our daughter Megan had cold weather induced asthma and it, it uh. allowed her to breathe. So we raised our kids down there. They had a wonderful life. They'll tell you if you ever met them. Just it's a wonderful place to grow up. As a matter of fact, uh, my daughter Megan is still living down there, and our twins just moved back down there. And you know, I mean, you have grandkids now too. I do. How yeah. many? Uh, three right now. Megan has a little boy, Hugh, and a daughter, Lorelai, she just had. And my son, Sean, and his wife, Kim, have a uh, son, Quinn. So what three you, so far. What did you do in Atlanta? Did you st- stay in Same PR? thing. I had my PR company. Yeah, I started my PR company from scratch. What about... I jumped. Wow. Yeah, I what jumped. Ab- what about, what about your, the... How did you express your creative uh, passions? Well... In that case, could you? And well, in that case, you know, once once we had the twins, it's like somebody shot a starter pistol and said, "Go," <laughs> because our life from that point on was trying to, you know, keep up with the bills, make money, raise the kids, coach the sports teams. You know, you didn't have a, um, a second to breathe at that point. But what I ended up doing was, um, at that point, I was approached to write a book with Earl Campbell, the famous football player. Yeah. So that was the first thing. That's the first book I ever wrote, right? So How did that deal come to be? They, I was doing, um, uh, he was doing media tours on his his problem with uh, panic and anxiety disorder to help men yeah. not commit suicide, and that was with the bottom line of it. So they felt like if I wrote a book with him, that would you know extend that message, which it, which it did. So I ended up writing his uh, life story because... You know, a lot of people don't even know who Earl Campbell is now, but that book is still oh, out there. A lot of there. people still do know who Yeah, they still he do is. know who Earl Campbell is, oh, yeah. sure. But I didn't want to take that for granted. Sure. I wanted to know, this is where this guy came from, the Rose Fields of Tyler, Texas, a, a poor family, all these kids. His father died when Earl was nine. He went through all of these things. A great guy, by the way. Just yeah. a great guy. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got two boys and a great wife, Renee, lives down in Austin, Texas. What's the title of that book? The Earl Campbell story. Well, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. nice. That's a nice. Can <laughs> you still buy it? Still yeah. available? Still out there. Yep, absolutely. How long did it take you to write that book? I mean, it was uh, obviously okay, that a one, collaborative that one, series of interviews. Yeah, I mean, I, I interviewed everybody and his brother to get that because, you know, with the interviews I did with Earl, I might have been able to fill a, a magazine column or something. Sure, but, sure. So, I, I mean, it took me a while. It took me, I don't know, four or five years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, did you like the experience? I mean... It, Writing comedy sketches, <clears throat> yeah, or and or press releases, is a relatively easy. I'm not compared saying it's that, easy yeah. compared yeah. to writing a book. Yeah. It's relatively easy. Yeah. Well, let me just answer that by saying I would never write another one again. <laughs> what? So, never collaborate with some. Uh, well, try to do somebody else's life story. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. Oh, I'm sure. It really is. I'm sure. But, but you know, writing writing novels like this for me is like, talking about the creative side. That's a, a lot easier. You know. One of your, you know, one of the times we we fell apart as you went to uh, Atlanta. But then I do remember talking. It was either on a radio show of mine or something about. You wrote a book in two thousand seven called Parish the Thought. Right. P a r i s h. Right. That was basically your life story. Life story. So I got uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in two thousand December two thousand and one, and you know you don't expect these things, right? I thought I might have died and thank god i made it through it was tough chemo and all that but at that point i realized hey i may not be here very long if i'm going to write that book i better write it now so that's wow. what that's what paris the thought is i like that book thank you very much thank you. and it still sells still sells yep john does have a website it's john j-o-h-n ruane r-u-a-n-e dot net uh he has written a couple of of wonderful thrillers <laughs> we'll get to how that happened uh <laughs> 
you had success with uh, with Parish the Thought. I did. Yes, I mean yeah. it didn't. It wasn't. It, it was actually York. a bestseller for a little while. I walked into the Borders on Ninety Fifth and Western to do a talk. I remember when the Christmas Borders used to be at Ninety Fifth yeah. and Western. Yeah, in two thousand seven, and they've got these books stacked up. You know, like. 25 high, like eight stacks, and I'm looking at this going, well, this is never going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. well, you, you, would still, you were still living in Atlanta when that book was yes, published? Yes, yeah, yeah. And I was invited up here to do a bunch of interviews and things, and uh, yeah, do, do talks, and so yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience, and you know, I got to talk about you know, my faith and Well, growing up Catholic, and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that basically was it, but it was filled with a lot of, you know, sort of typical of the time adventures too as i recall it yeah and and the thing about that book is people feel like i've written their life story and Mm -hmm. that's what i kept hearing over and over and over again that's why they can relate to it so strongly which is what i try to do with those books too but the novels but yeah i mean you know when you write a book you know this because you've written so many is is you don't know what's going to come back to you about it and when you do get that kind of really wonderful commentary i'm sure sure you got tons of commentary saying you know my life was exactly like Just this. Like I had this problem in right. school. I did. Yep. I did this in school. Did that embolden you to? It, it obviously writing a book is difficult, right? But it is also empowering, right? Don't you think? Right. Well, well. Okay. So we worked in a newspaper business where you work with a group of tough editors. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> in the day, yeah, in the day, sure, in the day. Yeah. So when you put a book out there. And people get to comment, and you get hundreds of responses and yeah. letters. I mean, that's that's a lot of encouragement. Yeah, you know? yeah. These two novels, uh, John has published two novels now to date. Uh, one is titled "A Dangerous Freedom," and the other is "Russian Assault." He's created a character, Dylan Riley. Uh, who has certain similarities to you, I would yeah, have to would say. say so, yeah. I don't see a gun on you, but uh, you never know. You never know. What is the seed of these? They are... They are uh... So, my whole approach to this was to write positive, encouraging stories and tie into a genre which is popular. So, action thrillers no question. are very popular. No question. Right? So... I ended up um, starting with A Dangerous Freedom, taking the situation where so many of us are dealing with right now, living in a dangerous world. And yep. Dylan Riley and his uh, wife, you know, they're, they're peace-loving people. They're trying to avoid any kind of problems, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're on site of three uh, very violent attacks. And tragedy happens, and Dylan feels like, okay, he's been pushed too far. He has to fight back. And that's when he trains with a former U.S. Marine and starts fighting back. And then he becomes, a, uh, he becomes an American hero, saving thousands and thousands of lives at that point. Well, he is a child, too. What intrigues me about it, he's a child of 9-11. And that's the thing, right. See, it come, I took that right out of my daughter's experience. Yeah. She was in high school. It would be the same time as he was in high school. And so many people who were in high school, I mean, everybody remembers 9-11, where they were and everything. Yeah, sure. But I, I took that. And I also took the story about uh, Joe Doyle. That's a real story, actually. That came out of a wow. Blessed Trinity where my son went to school. That fellow actually joined the Marines, and he was killed six months, just like I described mm. in the book, um, by a sniper when they were uh, guarding for an election there at that point. But So I, I do, as you know, I mean, I do tie in a lot of real history and real news Oh, there's no books. question. That the, the book, I've only read one. I've only right. read Dangerous Freedom. I'm right. about to read. I ordered... This is a nice guy, John Moran, my old friend. He brings me a copy of it, and I said, God, I just ordered that this morning. <laughs> uh, so I'll have two copies. I can give them away. Uh, 
we'll talk uh, at length, at length about both of these books and tell you what some uh, uh, some mutual friends and great authors, Richard Lindbergh, right. uh, for one. I want to read what he had to say about yep. the books, but I, I really think you're onto something here. I hope. How hard, uh, Mr. Ruane? I know comedy is kind of invented and perish the perish uh, the thought was not so much invented right, right what was it like to invent well it's a it's a process right so yeah. you start with the idea and then you start developing it do a lot of research keep developing it keep developing it keep rewriting it keep rewriting it until you get to the final product it takes a lot of rewrites you know no question about sure it, it does. You, you, you discover the characters and you can be you can be proud you have had some career so far so far uh, and he's also acting now. We'll talk about that <laughs> and a lot of other things uh, after you listen to the news. <laughs> I'm still talking to uh, my friend John Wayne, who has been many, 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 many things. He is now a, a fiction writer, the uh, author of two of the soon-to-be plenty more Dylan Riley thrillers. The first of these is Dangerous Freedom, about which Richard Lindbergh, who's one of Chicago's premier historians and the author of probably dozens of books, writes, John Moran has written a compelling story of our, for our times, seen through the lens of Dylan Riley and a generation coming of age at a time of profound change wrought by globalism, terrorism, fear, and political insecurity. Fast-paced, action-filled, and a moving commentary on war in the state of post-9-11 world, A Dangerous Freedom is a novel with a statement that will be hard to put down. He's right. I mean, I admire Richard on a number of levels. The response to that book has been has been uh, wildly positive. Yeah, it has. It? And which you, like I said, you don't know what you're going to get, but I, I was very, very encouraged by the response I got on it, for sure. Was it easier to write uh, the second book? Um, it actually was. That's a really good point. Um, because you, you know the characters. You know the character at that point. You have created them, That's you right. put them on paper, and they Absolutely. become real in a yeah. strange, kind of surreal fashion. Yeah, at that point, it's about it's about the plot, and then who the new villain is going to be. And in Russian Assault, it's the uh, former Russian KGB agents who come to America that launch these attacks to try to take over America. Who's your first reader, your wife? Uh, that's a good question. Uh no, I wouldn't say it's my wife. It's uh, a couple of relatives I have jump in right away. And then actually uh, a couple of friends of mine, Pat Quilty, mm-hmm. George Scanlon, uh, Billy Madovich, Ed Crane, those kind of guys. They, these childhood friends? These are childhood friends who um, resemble some characters in those books. <laughs> well, no, there's a lot. I mean, anybody who reads this book will, will say, oh, wait, that... Uh Park Hills, that's Palos it's Park, Palos or Park, that's, right? yep. that high school is this high school. Right. That gives you a, I think, John, I haven't written a lot of fiction, but that gives you a kind of a, a comfort zone, too. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah, and I think for readers, too, it's kind of cool that they can read these things and they can look at these places and see that's where it happened. That that one scene that takes place at the Midwest Music Fest, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. that's literally taken from Stephen Paddock, who said he was going to go on the 22nd floor of the uh, Blackstone Hotel and start I remember opening that. up. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, I put that scene in the book, and um, you know, people people know that they know what that park is they know what Lollapalooza is like so. you can get uh, all the information you need beyond what we've been talking about at johnruane.net that's j-o-h-n-r-u-a-n-e you've also john before i let you go you've also gotten back into acting haven't yes you? 
Yep. Why would you do something crazy well, like that? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, once the twins crossed the finish line of graduating college, I thought about it. And then I kind of like stuck my foot in the water a little bit. And then I got lucky. I got a, a talent agent at BMG. I started doing auditions and I started getting cast in a few things. And away we go. It's like the lottery, Rick. I mean, maybe I'll get something good. Maybe I won't. Well, but. you've met you met in, in doing this two frequent guests on the show. Joe Sakura, Joe Sakura, great guy. Longtime actor, yep. star of Power, yep. Power Force on uh, the Stars Network. And, and Phil Donlin, his Phil great Donlin, partner, absolutely. both veterans of Chicago theater. Yep. Uh, so it's fun. That's fun for you too, right? Oh, absolutely. Plus, you know, those two guys are great guys. So yeah. you know, yeah. that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, not everybody. In Tommy Hollywood. Flanagan too. I mean, he yeah. he's part of that group too. I mean, he's a good guy too. So yeah, and I met uh, J.K. Simmons. Sure. Um, sure. They brought me in to do something with him, and I ended up talking to him for about a half hour one day. Great guy, Detroit Tiger fan, just a terrific guy. So yeah, you don't know what you're going to run into when you do different things, but um, it's fun. And maybe you know, some people want to do play pickleball or go play shuffleboard i'm doing this <laughs> you are i think no your career has been fascinating since the first time i walked into the sports department at the sun times and met you and i'm a great admirer of the work you've done and uh, i am excitedly expectant for the work you're gonna do thank you appreciate it john you've raised four kids you got grandkids you're writing thrillers you're the whole package can i, I just say one thing i want to see you on i want to see you star of a show that's what i want i want <laughs> I to hope see so. you star of a show i hope so i just you know for speaking for the entire artistic community in chicago i just think we all owed rick hogan a oh, great God, debt of stop. thanks i know you don't want to hear that but i certainly what don't. a great guy what a great supporter and we <laughs> appreciate it rick john I've just been around a long time. It's great to see you, <laughs> exactly. sweetie. It's great. To, we're shaking hands on the radio, uh, uh, and I, I expect, I expect, uh, you know, Joe Sikora is is a big deal now. He'll have his own series. He has his own series. Uh, I, and but mostly, I expect uh, to keep reading you. Thank That's you. what I want to do. Thank you. Again, go to johnruane.net. That's J O H N R U A N E dot net to get his books. There's a blog there. There's all sorts of other information. 